Good afternoon, and welcome to the Business Leadership Podcast Live. It is Wednesday, the 31st of October, 2018, episode number 52, and it's Halloween, so happy Halloween, everyone, trick or treat. Thank you for joining us. I am Edwin Frondozo. For those of you who are new to the show, this the Business Leadership Podcast Live is a live call-in radio show where I speak to business leaders, subject matter experts, and thought leaders to discuss the latest innovations current events or best practices that will help you personally and professionally grow. This episode is brought to you by Slingshot VoIP, a leader in business voice AI technologies that help companies understand what the customers are saying when they're calling in. Again, thank you for joining us this afternoon or morning or wherever you are tuning in. Um, I'm super excited to introduce my co-host today, a friend of mine, a colleague, Erin um, Burry. She is the managing director at 88, which is a Toronto-based creative communications agency that works with high-growth tech startups and customer brands, including, just to name a few, I guess, <laughs> PayPal, Sony Pictures Television, TELUS. Um, she's amazing in the ecosystem. I was happy to interview her early on when I launched my podcast. I was really grateful to have her share her time with me and share her experience. So happy to have her join me on this platform. And today we thought um, it would be perfect to, our topic would be perfect to talk about entrepreneurship side hustles. I know side hustles is something she talks about within her organization and her team. And she advocates for every business leader to allow for their team to have side hustles. So we're gonna get into that. Um, I know we typically get in tangents as well. So I threw in like entrepreneurship, personal branding, but we'll see where it goes. So if you are joining us live, you have any questions regarding side hustles, marketing, personal branding, anything, just feel free to throw it in the browser directly below and we'll direct you. If you have any stories about maybe you're running a successful side hustle while working full-time, would love for you to maybe join us live, share your story, share your experience. Uh, we're always happy to to hear from you. Erin, happy Wednesday. How are you doing today? Happy Wednesday, Edwin. Thank you so much for having me. And congratulations on the Business Leadership Podcast being one of the top 10 podcasts at the recent podcast awards. That's super exciting. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm super, you know, it's just... It's, it's pretty amazing what, what 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 happens and and I was really grateful to to get to that acknowledgement because uh, for those who are listening podcast awards is is listener nominated and it's a global a global awards ceremony but thank you for that I know uh, I know you're you've been a long time member in, in the podcast community so I always listen to to your show and and really enjoy learning about that stuff on the beta kit uh, platform as well but let's let's just get to this topic um, about side hustles, did you want to maybe just do a quick intro? I know I did mine and maybe talk about why why side hustles is, is super important to you. For sure. So I think, um, you know, in I've worked in startups for the past 10 years, both working at a startup and working as a tech journalist, writing about startups and now running an agency that caters to the entrepreneurship community and works with people in the, the tech community. And in startups, uh, it's very common for startup employees 
and even entrepreneurs themselves to be working on multiple projects and to have side hustles. So projects they're working on outside of their, their main gig. And it's often celebrated in the entrepreneurship community. Everyone has an idea that they're executing or a side project or something that they're working on outside of their nine to five. Um, and I found that in the agency world, when I started building 88 and, and building a team here, it really wasn't the same in agency culture. Agencies are very much, you know, come in and be committed to your full-time job. And no one really talks about side hustles or entrepreneurial projects that they work on outside of the nine to five. Uh, even though a lot of people in agencies are very creative people, designers or PR professionals who absolutely do consulting and freelance projects on the side. Um, so for me, bringing side hustles out of the shadows at agencies was kind of born out of my own side hustle, which is a wine tour company based in Prince Edward County. And as I was developing it, I really felt like I couldn't talk about it with my agency colleagues because they were so frowned upon and they weren't really celebrated. And I thought, you know, this is crazy. I have my own boutique agency. Why do I have to hide my own side hustle? So I started talking to the team about it. And I found out that so many of our team members had side hustles, whether that was freelance design projects on the side or, you know, a literary magazine. One person was working on a drop shipping company. And, uh, and really, I think that was the catalyst that made me really want to talk about them and celebrate them and, and, uh, and bring them out of the shadows at agencies around the world. Oh, that's amazing. So you, you brought up one thing that, that really brought up uh, that I was thinking about is, is why people are hiding it. Um, maybe in the agency world, and this could be similar in any industry because I come from the tech industry. I mean, I, I, I was brought up as a, you know, a developer, as a computer systems engineer. I mean, for those who are, you know, developers, they are creative people too. And they may have a side software development project there as well. And I, and I know talking to within the startup community, sometimes they don't even want to launch it too, because maybe it's a conflict, maybe it's not, maybe it's totally different. But why do you think people were scared of, of doing it? Is it was it frowned upon or was it because there is a conflict? I think, I mean, usually it's not because there's a conflict with what the company they work for is doing. Uh, for example, you know, my side hustle is a wine tour company. Well, that's very different from a marketing services company, which is, you know, what 88 is. Um, and same with even our freelance uh, or our graphic designers who are doing freelance graphic design projects on the side. Even though they're offering the same services, they're offering them to a very different clientele. If you're someone who's hiring a freelance designer by the hour, you're probably not the same client that's paying thousands of dollars for agency services. So I, I don't think it's that there's a conflict of interest or that they're cannibalizing business from the company that they work for. I think often there's this, uh, it's frowned upon because employers think that if someone has a side hustle, they're not 100% committed to their day job, or they're working on their side hustle during work hours, or that they hate their day job and they want to go do something else. And those are the things that I kind of disagree with, because as you probably know from being you know, a multitasker yourself and having multiple things on the go, we really blend work and life these days. It's not coming into work and clocking in at 9 a.m. and working continuously on your day job for eight hours and then clocking out and going home. Now, with email on our phone and with smartphones keeping us connected all the time, 
it's really a blend of work and life and side hustles. So I might be doing something related to my wedding planning at 11 a.m. and then working on a side hustle email and then getting back to my full-time job. But I'm not, you know, I'm not shifting from one thing to the other in time blocks. I'm kind of blending it all together, but I'm still getting everything done. So I think the way we work has really changed and become more flexible. And along with that, our attitudes towards people working on multiple projects has to change because, you know, I'm a millennial and millennials are the most entrepreneurial generation in history. And it's only going to become more prevalent to have side hustles, side projects, hobbies that kind of blend into our full-time job. Yeah. And you said something super important there as in everyone, whether they're an entrepreneur or not, are dealing with personal things like a wedding, right? A wedding could be quote unquote, a side hustle for a year. Right. And sometimes it, you need to do a phone call or an email during during the day. So why would it change if it was something other than a personal thing? And definitely, I think the world is changing. I know a lot of the people I work with personally, they have a number of jobs on the side. Maybe they have a full-time job and, and it's all working as long as people are delivering. So you, not only you have a side hustle, you're also leading an agency, right, Aaron? So what, you know, what would you tell those who are listening now who may have a side hustle, you know, uh, (laughs) on the down low, they haven't told anyone, like how how can they take steps or what steps can they take to, to bring it out? If it's sort of frowned upon within that vertical they're in or that organization. I think that's a great question. I think it's really easy to say, Oh, just approach your boss. They'll be supportive because I'm, that might be bad advice. You might work in a really traditional industry or even work in a company where your employment contract forbids you from having any sort of side hustle or outside income and you might get fired. So I, I don't want to give the advice to just waltz into your boss's <laughs> office and say, I have a side hustle and you have to accept it because they might not. But I think the first key is to really you know, this this works for anyone who's currently looking for a job or who's, you know, looking to switch jobs is try to find a, a company that supports side hustles and that is open to that culture, whether that is a startup company or a company like Shopify, where as a part of working at Shopify, all of their employees are encouraged to open their own Shopify store and to have their own side hustles, or even an agency like ours that makes side hustles a, a big part of our culture and that really outwardly supports um, side hustles. So I think, first of all, if you are that kind of person who has multiple projects on the go and who wants the ability to work on side hustles and not have to hide it, Look for that when you're assessing employment opportunities and when you are meeting with potential hiring managers, ask them if, if side hustles are supported or, you know, what the attitude is towards them, because you want to know that going into it. If you're currently in a company that is pretty traditional, I think it's about kind of feeling out from your colleagues and from people internally what the attitude is towards them. You know, asking someone who's been there a bit longer, who you trust if anything's ever been said about it, or if there's a policy, maybe going to your HR team and asking about that. And if you do get wind that they're completely unaccepted, then you know maybe it is something that you want to keep under wraps and, and think about how you might want to broach or change the culture internally slowly over time. Um, but if you do hear that you know, you know, they're trying to be more accepting of it, or there hasn't been a problem in the past, then set a time to chat with your manager. And the best way to prove that you can manage a side hustle in your full-time job is to go to them and say, hey, I've been doing this for a month or two 
Have you noticed any dip in my performance? Have you noticed that I've been less productive? And as long as the answer is no, and you've been crushing it, they really shouldn't care if you've been doing something on the side. And we all have hobbies, right? I mean, we go home and maybe your hobby is playing an instrument. Maybe it's Netflix. Maybe it's, you know, cooking. It's not like people go home and work 24 seven. Everyone has hobbies outside of work. So whether you're spending four hours on a Netflix binge or four hours on getting your e-commerce store on Shopify up and running, it really shouldn't matter to, to the people at your organization. No, that, that I mean, those are real, real important uh, examples. And thank you for sharing that, Aaron. With, uh, if you are just joining us live, with, uh, Aaron and I are discussing our side hustles, you know, how to approach your manager if, if you have if you're working on the side. So if you have any questions for us, maybe you have you're thinking about doing a side hustle, but you're a little afraid, just feel free to put the question in in the browser below. If you have a story about a successful side hustle that you launched and, ev and everyone applauded it, I <laughs> would love for you to share the conversation. Um, Aaron, I was just thinking, you know, if I was a manager, you know, maybe in a multinational company and I'm listening to us talk today and, and I've been opening to the fact that maybe, maybe it's probably a good idea for my, my team to have side hustles. Like, what do you see or what can you tell them are the real pros of, of, of your team having a side hustle? Yeah, I mean, I think, first of all, every work environment is different. But I know for someone like me who runs an agency, we work with clients and there are often creative restrictions on working with clients. You know, we might have an idea and it's usually not executed exactly the way we came up with it because of budget limitations or legal approvals on the client side or a whole host of other things. So you don't always have the ability to have creative license when you are working within the constraints of client work. And so for me, the biggest pro that I see to allowing team members to have side hustles is they don't have any creative constraints with their side hustles. They can really be creative and exercise and flex those creative muscles and do things exactly the way that they want to do them. And it gives them an outlet outside of the confines of their day to day to be really creative. And so if they do have a client project that you know can be challenging, their side hustle is a way to get out all of that creative energy and to have more creative control over what they're doing. Um, the other benefit I see to it is that you know, inherently, when you're an employee at a company, you don't always get the insight into the thing that the person running the company or the people running the company have to worry about. Things mm -hmm. like paying payroll, keeping the lights on, meeting revenue goals. And running a side hustle is the best way for them to understand what you go through as a business owner every day. When they're running an online store or they're doing freelance work, they're dealing with invoicing and quoting prices and, you know, worrying about paying expenses and really dealing with running a business on a day-to-day. -day. And I think having a team that inherently understands the challenges of being an entrepreneur and a small business owner can only benefit you and it only benefits them in the long run. Um, so those are a couple of the, the the pros that I see. And, you know, I think there are a lot of cons that people see, a lot of limitations, like, oh, they're not going to be as productive in their day-to-day. -day. But I've never, I haven't found that to be true. I know yeah, no. for me... People always say, oh, you're so busy, you have so much going on. And I'm like, well, if you want something done, give it to a busy person. Yeah. I find that I'm I'm more productive, I'm more organized because I have more things going on. Uh, and I find that to be true of most people that I know who have multiple projects on the go. Exactly, 100%. That My, my father used to tell me that growing up, you know. Uh, you give the busy person, uh, thank you for sharing that. Uh, give them the work because they will get it done, actually. Um, uh, one thing I wanted to bring up, and, and it's also – 
important nowadays, maybe more than ever. And this is sort of a side hustle as well. I mean, in my point of view, is is building out your personal brand, um, building that that niche or that expertise, whether you're sitting within a business and it could be the start of you doing that side hustle, right? So why is it why why do you think it's really important to build the personal brand now like more ever m- more than ever? Yeah, I mean I think it's it depends where you are in your career. There's always a benefit to building your personal brand, but the benefit comes to you in different ways at different stages of your career. So if you are a new graduate who is looking for your first job, having a personal brand is going to set you apart from the other applicants and make you stand out from the hundred other resumes that are landing on the hiring manager's desk. If you're an entrepreneur, having a personal brand is going to help you source leads and build partnerships and build your thought leadership in the community so that you're finding clients or customers. Uh, And if you're looking to make a career transition, maybe you're 10 or 15 years into your career and you're looking to do something different, having a great personal brand or a great network is going to help you to actually find those connections and be able to make the leap into doing something different. Uh, But to me, building a personal brand isn't a nice to do these days. It's a must do because what's the first thing you do if you're checking out a company that you want to purchase from or you're looking to hire someone or you're even just like checking someone out to see if they're legit and you should work with meet with them for coffee you google them and you check out their linkedin profile and you see what their reputation is online and having a strong personal brand uh, and being very googleable to me is is a key part to to being successful in business in 2018 yeah no i i totally agree and i've been you know, I've been approached within my community about personal branding, how to do that, whether they're leaders or entrepreneurs. And then I always think about my own personal brand, Aaron, and maybe I'm going to get you to ask me some questions or, or maybe what, what do you think my personal brand is? And I want to see how, how it resonates. Well, it's a great question. I think, you know, um, everyone can curate their personal brand the way that they want, but it's actually what other people see right. it as that matters. And I think when I think of you and when I think of your personal brand being all about telling entrepreneur and leadership stories. So this idea of you being a storyteller who, you know, kind of speaks with business leaders and entrepreneurs and unearths those nuggets of wisdom about their journey to help other people who are maybe just starting out in their journey and looking for some inspiration. Very cool. I like that. And yeah, definitely. I mean, I got more passionate through this process and and it's, uh, and I think, and maybe you might have another opinion, Aaron, but personal brand is, yeah, you could curate what you are and you could try so hard to be something, but sometimes you've got to ask people and do that. But does your personal brand, do you believe it's going to, it's, it's ever changing or it might change from this year to the next, maybe your interests change. Is that okay? Or do you get typecasted? I mean, it's a great question. I think if you look at a performer like Madonna, think about all of the incarnations that she's gone through in her career. You Mm -hmm. know, 90s Madonna is very different from 80s Madonna is very different from 2018 Madonna. And I think it's the same with your personal brand. Your personal brand can change and evolve over time. And mine certainly has. I mean, back in 2008, 2009, when I was working as a community manager for a startup, I built this great personal brand around community management and event planning and startup marketing. Uh, then I went to BetaKid and became a technology journalist. And so my personal brand shifted into much more of the media space and being known as a tech journalist and a writer. And then now that I'm back in the agency world, it's really about marketing and startups and PR. And so I think my personal brand has certainly 
shape-shifted over the years and, and evolved. And it was a, definitely a thoughtful process, but you can definitely do it. And you, you don't have to be typecast at all. I think it's something where, you know, you're kind of in charge of your own personal brand and, and you kind of shape how people perceive you. So the type of content that you're putting out, the type of things you're sharing on social media, attending and speaking at, these all help to craft that story around your personal brand and you can easily change it over time. Yeah. So for what tips would you give the the emerging business leader or the startups entrepreneurs right now who are listening and they're like, you know what, I don't know what my personal brand is like, what would be the one key takeaway you would tell them to get started at least uh, towards, you know, building that personal brand that they want to be happy with and it really resonates with them? Yeah, to me, I think it's thinking about the t those topics that make up the kind of Venn diagram that make up your personal brand. So it's not that I'm asking people to say, okay, I'm going to pick one topic and I'm only going to talk about that thing. To mm -hmm. me, it's the intersection of multiple topics and that becomes your personal brand. For me, those topics are you know, startups, technology, and marketing, and kind of the intersection of those three things. So one day I might be talking more about marketing and less about technology, and, you know, the other day vice versa, but those, the intersectionality of those three topics is kind of the crux of my personal brand. So I think the first thing to do is to kind of list out those topics that you're passionate about, and they might be really diverse, and they might be really complementary. And then it's to think about how you want to be seen as a thought leader in that space. So for me, I want to be seen as a thought leader who can help technology companies and startups with their marketing. Um, so what is that kind of thesis? What do you want to be seen as in terms of thought leadership? And that kind of helps you uh, narrow down the topics that you want to focus on and, um, and helps you kind of narrow down your expertise. No, that's amazing. Thank you for sharing. And, and it's, I mean, probably you and I could talk about personal branding and specific, uh, specific brands out there. Um, for an hour, Aaron, but <laughs> I don't know if anyone Definitely. wants to, I don't know if anyone wants to listen to us for that long, but, uh, I guess, uh, if you are, so just, just, a, just to shout out there, if you are listening to us live, thank you for joining us. We right now we're talking about personal branding, why it's, it's not a nice to do, as Aaron says, it's a must to do nowadays, um, to build out, uh, who you are. So people know, um, what to reach out to you for as well. Um, so if you have any questions, feel free to to write in the write it in the topic. If you're listening to us live, would love to have you you know answer it in real time. But if you are listening to us on the replay, feel free to reach out to me or Aaron, and would be happy to to answer your questions anytime. I wanted to just quickly go in before before we end the show is really talk about startups and startup marketing because you you are really known. I know me outside looking in, Aaron, when I think about startup marketing, marketing, I always tell people, you know, you got to talk to Aaron or at 88 or do that. So like, I know your personal brand just, just from who you are from the outside looking in. So I wanted to get your insights, the things that you've learned or the, the basically the key things, you know, when you're marketing a startup and maybe, maybe let's, in the framework of someone who launched already and, the, and their MVP is gone, they, they, they have recurring revenue already? Yeah, I think that's a great, a great question. I mean, there's definitely no 
secret sauce or silver bullet to startup marketing because if there was, you know, it's like stockbrokers. If any of them actually knew the secret to investing, they would all be retired billionaires on a beach somewhere. Uh, I think we're all just trying to figure it out. And and startup marketing, the landscape is always evolving. So there are constantly new tools and social networks and um, tweaks to ad platforms that are, are meaning that there is no blueprint. The blueprint is being updated every day. But I do mm-hmm. think there are some fundamentals that you have to think about when you're launching your company. To me, the crux of it is really who are your target customers and where do they spend time online and offline and how can you reach them in the places they already spend time in a relevant, interesting way that showcases your value proposition. So for example, my husband, my new husband's company. I was um, going to ask you about <laughs> I was going to ask you about that. <laughs> yeah. So his company is called Willful and it's online wills. And so, you know, if he was marketing to teenagers on Snapchat, that's really not going to resonate with them. Um, Same with if he was marketing to, you know, baby boomers at a local, you know, startup event where there's probably more people in who are students, right? I mean, you have to know your audience. And for him, he knows that the the people that are signing up for wills online are people who just got married, just had kids or just bought property. And so for him, it makes sense to target you know, partnering with real estate agents or, you know, working with parenting bloggers who can get the word out. So I think if you just think about who are your target customers and maybe you're like Kevin, you have a few different target customers, new homeowners, new parents, et cetera. Um, or maybe you just have one specific customer, you know, marketing agencies, for example, uh, figuring out who your target customer is and where they hang out and targeting them there, I think is, is the best place to start. Um, and for me, it's also recognizing that you have to do two kinds of marketing when you're a startup. You have to do the conversion-driven, data-driven marketing like Facebook ads or Instagram ads or Google AdWords that's going to drive sales. And then you have to work on building the perception and the brand of your company because, you know, doing one without the other means that you either have a ton of sales but no (laughs) perception. And so it's hard for you to hire or get meetings or things like that. Or you have a ton of you know reputation and knowledge and PR coverage, but you don't have the sales to back it up. And so, you know, I think a lot of times the classic mistake is to focus on one and not the other. And really, to me, the sweet spot of startup marketing is finding a balance between the things that drive sales consistently and predictably, and building your kind of public persona and story so that both of those things are happening simultaneously. No, that's that's great, and I love how you um, mentioned that. You do one part of the marketing to drive sales and one to drive your brand because, you know, the conversations I have, people ask, what should I do? Either or I always say you have to do both. And sometimes startups, they're not in that position to to they don't they may not have that resources or the or, or the funds to do both. Right. So they choose one and and. And we all know what happens there sometimes, right? It takes a bit longer, obviously. Um, we have one question, Aaron. It was something that it was from Maury, a listener who just logged on probably after we talked about personal branding. But I want to just um, just mention or get the answer from Maury. He, uh, and I, it was probably the intersection. He asks, what's the best way to start crafting your personal brand? Yeah, so I actually have a a personal branding workbook, which I will send to Edwin to put in the show notes, and I will tweet out as well. And I think that kind of guides you through things like, 
you know, building out your biography and starting to think about your niche. Uh, but to me, the, the, the biggest way to get started with your personal brand is to think about what you're naturally good at or what your skill sets are and to find personal branding tactics that align with those. You know, Jerry Seinfeld famously says that, you know, people's number one fear in life is uh, public speaking and their number two fear is death. So if they were <laughs> at a funeral, they'd rather be in the casket than giving the eulogy. And so a lot of people will say, well, I want to be a public speaker, but they're terrified of public speaking. So I think the first key to building your personal brand is being honest with yourself about what you enjoy doing, what you're good at doing, and what you're actually going to sit down and force yourself to do to build your personal brand. Because if you hate public speaking, you're never going to sit down to build that presentation. If you absolutely hate social media, you're not going to be the person that is just gravitating to Twitter and building your network there. Uh, for me, I went to journalism school. I'm, I've been a, a writer in the past. And so I love writing content. And that's a really natural way for me to grow my personal brand is contributing articles to publications and leveraging social media and things like that. But it's different for everyone. If you're really introverted and you don't like speaking in front of people, maybe it's volunteering for an event or being on the board of a charity or something like that. So I think that's a really great place to start is figuring out what I'm, what am I not going to put off? What am I actually going to prioritize? And what is a natural fit with my skill set? A perfect answer. And I love how you, you mentioned, Maury, thank you for the question. Um, you know, really just being honest with yourself, who you are, and maybe the person in your mind is not the person that you might be comfortable with, right? So it's really starting and in, in doing the, in, the, the inside work is, is what I like to say as well. Um, just about to slowly end the show. So if you do have any questions, last minute questions, be sure to put it in there. Otherwise, we'll get to it um, after the show. But uh, Aaron, any final thoughts, um, tips for the emerging business leaders who are listening today? Whether, I mean, you could, we talked about a couple of things, but whether it's about a side hustle or personal branding, maybe a, a final tip, it could be one or two. Yeah, I mean, I think a big, a, a lot of feedback that I get from entrepreneurs is that they just don't have time to build their personal brand, not just entrepreneurs, from anyone really. I mean, we're all busy with personal and professional obligations and family and friends and trying to exercise and eat well and all of the things that we're trying to fit into our day. So a lot of feedback is I don't have time to build my personal brand. And so I guess my biggest tip is you don't have to do everything yourself. I think mm -hmm. there's this idea that we have to build our personal brand by ourselves because it's our personal brand. But we use a firm called Admin Heroes that we outsource all of our um, kind of executive assistant work to, but they can also help with a virtual assistant or any type of intern or admin assistant can help with building your personal brand. They can, you know, you can get a, a ghostwriter or a copywriter who can help you with writing articles. You can get a, you know, an admin assistant or virtual assistant to apply for you to speak at local events or to source volunteering opportunities. So I think my biggest tip is don't just think because it's personal brand, I have to do everything myself. Be honest with yourself about what time you can commit and find other people to help outsource and, and manage the rest. Well, amen to that. I mean, I, uh, I, have, I have five VAs and one of them wow. is... Just to help me with one of my with my social media, it's just impossible to do it all yourself, right? So, <laughs> but it's good that you recognize that and you found people to help because a lot of people just, you know, the people that I meet that haven't updated their Twitter account in two years and feel super guilty about it, they're the ones who are who should be using a VA. So you've you've kind of unlocked the secret there. Well, I mean, it's not even a secret. It's so funny because it's just actually, and I hear this from all business leaders and entrepreneurs that I interview. It's 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 about letting go and and trusting. 
trusting that you know how to lead, right? And trusting the people you hire, right? So, I mean, if that would be my final tip on, on that as well, because I talk to many people and, you know, they just don't want to let go. Um, and and I by doing so, Aaron, I mean, I go to lunches all the time. Why not, right? Like, it's cool. <laughs> like, it's cool to go to lunches with, you know, colleagues and clients and prospects and, and just have fun, right? Well, the, big, the best advice I got, I have a business coach who specializes in agencies. His name is Carl Sakis. And he gave me great advice, which is every business leader's goal should be to become needed, but not necessary. You're needed because everyone needs you as a leader and, and needs you to run the company, but you aren't necessary to the day-to-day -day operations or you're not necessary for every single project. And to be able to do that, you have to be able to delegate. And that's one of the biggest hurdles that entrepreneurs face is how to let go. So sounds like you've done a good job with that. Well, thank you. I really appreciate it. And and it's kudos and listening to business leaders like yourself and, and everyone I had the opportunity to speak with as well. But... Uh, where can we find more information about you, Erin, um, or um, any events, anything you'd like to share with us today? Yeah, so I'm Erin Burry on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Uh, you can find my side hustle at thecountywinetourist.com. And my main, uh, my, my daytime gig is uh, managing director of 88, and that's 88agency.com, all spelled out. Well, Aaron, it's been an absolute pleasure having you co-host the Business Leadership Podcast podcast live. I I definitely would love to have you join me again in the new year, and maybe we could really dig down with, on a topic on personal branding or side hustles or something that we get feedback on. Well, thank you so much for having me, Edwin. It's always great chatting with you, and congrats again on the growth of the Business Leadership Podcast and everything you're doing. Thank you, Aaron. I really appreciate it. We'll talk soon. Bye. This was the Business Leadership Podcast Live. It's an almost daily show every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. So be sure to, to follow us on Twitter. And if you haven't done so yet, please be sure to check out my ex exclusive interviews, my podcast, the Business Leadership Podcast, where I sit down with business leaders to discuss their personal journey, experience, and experience of business leadership. New episode drops every Tuesday. You could catch it on iHeartRadio, Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you listen to your podcast. That's a wrap, everybody. Happy Wednesday. Happy Halloween. I'm actually in my onesie right now. I'm going to head over to my daughter's daycare and have fun. So have a fun.